I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Mom. It's Luke. Hi, Luke. How's it going? It's good. How are you? Uh, I'm okay, but I know you're pretty bummed about us not being able to get together for, for Mother's Day this year, right? You know, I just think Thanksgiving and Mother's Day are the times that I really get to see all seven of you guys. And then, you know, other significant others, too, and grandkids yeah. and all that fun stuff. So you, like, really, really look forward to Mother's Day, to to everybody gathering together. I probably look more forward to Mother's Day than any other day of the year. Oh, Mom. Well, I, this is probably not as good as getting together with the whole family, but uh, how about just uh, we invite you and Elena's mom onto Livewire this week, and we'll just kind of make that at least some sort of a Mother's Day party? Okay. Let's try it. <laughs> okay. That sounds like a solid medium. <laughs> Okay, so I'm, I'm going to get you uh, on this Zoom call. Okay, uh, hang on a sec. Admitting uh, to the meeting. Hey, Mom, can you hear me? Welcome to the show. Hi, Luke. Thanks. Um, you're kind of becoming quite the Zoom expert. Uh, <laughs> you know how to start meetings yourself. I'm very proud of you. Uh, but I'm also wondering, do you think that this is the closest our family has ever been? Because we never talked this much. We were like kind of all falling apart as a family. But then this pandemic came and now we're zooming like two times a week we've never been closer i don't know about falling apart as a family <laughs> all right maybe that's an exaggeration mom hold on actually elena and her mom are here now too let's bring them into the call elena hi and karen horton elena's mom welcome to the show thank you hi guys hi hi Susie. hi luke hi nice to see you Susie. did you ever call luke lukey b <laughs> no but i used to call him lukels yeah, well, Mom, what was that song, Lucals Magookals for Sale? Yeah, was how that, much uh, does Susie? it cost? I'll buy it. You know? <laughs> a was it just like a combo of songs you made up? Yeah. Um, Karen, you are in South Carolina. Where are you at? I'm in beautiful Lake Hartwell. Yeah. I heard a rumor, and I don't even know if this really happened, but for a while this radio show wasn't on in the particular part of South Carolina you're in, and then we, we started – talking about it on the show, and then they, like, added it. Can you actually hear Livewire where you live? It's solid at noon on Saturday now. <laughs> but didn't you not know the first time it came on, you just thought that I was coming through the door? You just heard my <laughs> voice on the... <laughs> I, was, I was doing housework because I listened to um, our 
our, our public radio station here. I was doing housework and all of a sudden I heard a voice. And I said, uh, where's that coming from? <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of this fine radio show, we should do it right now. Elena, should we um, do the top of the show? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Molly, are we recording? Lucas, we are recording. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to live that down. (laughs) All right. Elena, go for it. From PRX, it's Livewire. Recorded from our actual houses. Welcome to the Livewire House Party. This week, we're celebrating Mother's Day with Luke's and my actual moms. Plus, we've got filmmaker Barry Sonnenfeld and music from Fantastic Negrito. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello. And now, live and direct from a small room just off his kitchen, the host of Livewire, Luke Burbank. Thank you, Elena, my trusty applause machine here. Uh, And thanks also to our actual moms who are here this week, Karen Horton uh, and my mom, uh, the pride of St. Hubert Catholic High in Philadelphia, (laughs) Susie Burbank. Hi, you guys. Hi. Hi, Um, Thank you very much for uh, for hanging out with us this week. I know it's not as good as an actual Mother's Day brunch, but um, in these weird times, I guess it'll have to do. Um, what we like to do each week on the show, of course, is ask the audience a question. Uh, we, uh, put it out on social media and, uh, they respond. We read those things on the show this week. The question that we asked the Livewire audience was what's been an unexpected addition to your routine? Like what's something that you're doing now that you weren't doing before this pandemic? And I guess I thought since we have our moms here, maybe we should ask you guys, mom, uh, what's been an unexpected addition to your routine? Well, most of the time, if I have any problem understanding the computer, I call your dad, come help mm-hmm. me. And he just kind of messes with the fingers and it's good. Now I'm actually <laughs> learning how to really, yeah, how to navigate the computer way more than I ever did. Is there any specific uh, like task you've performed on the computer that you're extra proud of or something you figured out how to do? I guess it's the Zoom that I could do. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, I've kind of taken ownership. First, Luke, you know how you were doing Zoom with the family. And then I was like, I could do it too. Did you do that just because I kept muting you because I was the administrator? (laughs) Hardly. I wanted the power. So when you host the Zoom, then you have the power to mute. So, yeah. Uh, Karen, uh, Elena's mom, what's a new addition to your routine down there in South Carolina? Oh, it's a good one. Uh, For the last eight weeks, my daughter has phoned me. On Sundays. Aww. What? I call you every Sunday. That's, that hasn't changed. <laughs> Except for the Sundays you forget to call and think you called. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Things are getting more real than I expected <laughs> early on in this edition of Flatwire. We talk a lot longer. Like, I'm like, what did you eat on Monday? Oh, what did oh. you eat on Tuesday, too? <laughs> we exchange recipes and neither one of us is a cook. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, Elena, what's the Livewire audience saying uh, in answer to that question of, of uh, new additions to their routine now that we're uh, all stuck at home? We got a ton of great answers to this audience card. Here's one from Hannah. An unexpected addition to Hannah's routine. I now have a two-hour window during the night reserved for lying awake, staring into the dark, thinking about how I should be sleeping. Things are going great. Why do you ask? <laughs> that sounds like my daughter, Hannah. Doesn't it sound like your sister? 
<laughs> is it possible? Is this show completely produced by members of my actual family? No, because our Hannah has insomnia, yeah. and that sounds just like something she would say. It's funny. Yeah, it's, yeah. this is a weird time because a lot of us have much less going on in the day in terms of driving to work or whatever, and yet mm-hmm. we're like sleeping worse than ever. Um, because if you, I mean, I, what I've learned is do not read the news first thing in the morning. It's very unsettling. Like you got to give it some time. You got to like have a cup of coffee and psych yourself up to engage in the reality of this world. Totally. No, totally. Um, all right, Elena, what else? Uh, here's one from Michelle, Michelle's unexpected addition to Michelle's routine serenading my plant babies every morning. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's helping them grow, but there've been no complaints so far. <laughs> Isn't that a thing? Like if you play classical music for plants or something that actually like helps them grow versus if you play like heavy metal? I have never kept a plant alive, so I don't know. Mom, do you know? Um, it's absolutely true. It is? I don't know. Really? <laughs> Are you a green thumb, Karen? Can you grow stuff? Um, I planted three things yesterday. Did you plant conspiratorial ideas? Um, <laughs> throughout the neighborhood. And they're blossoming as we speak. <laughs> Uh, Elena, what else is the audience saying? Okay, here's another one. It's from Susan. In addition to Susan's routine has been hula hoop competitions every Friday afternoon with my daughter. Oh, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, didn't you find a hula hoop when we were talking on the phone on Sunday? Yeah, and we both discussed our our (laughs) non-abilities. Really, seriously, we tried to talk for as long as possible on Sundays because so little is going on, but we spent like a good 15 minutes talking about hula hooping, (laughs) which is something neither of us can do. Along with the cooking and the plant growing. Mom, are you keeping up with your like random dancing that you do, whether it's the Bristol Stomp or the Mashed Potato? My mom, you guys can cut a rug. Ah. It's the East Coast, growing up in Philly and dances, you know, on Saturday nights. Do you have any like, I mean, how are you staying fit, mom? What are you doing? Um, mainly just walking with your dad, but walking yeah. those, you know, in some trails that are really a lot of uphill and been really nice because we we live kind of out of outside of the city of Silverdale, if you even want to call that a city, and um, and it's got a lot of wilderness, so there's yeah. a lot of really beautiful trails. Are you staying far away from people when you're walking, Mom? Uh, yeah, for the most part. For the I mean, most part. <laughs> Well, we did walk with some friends and he lost his balance and sort of like grabbed onto me. I was like, ah, but that was just. Mom, you got to let that guy drop. (laughs) Every person for themselves. Don't be a hero. It was Joe Berg. I don't care. A longstanding friend. I don't care how longstanding this friend is, Mom. No tokanada. I don't want anybody touching you or dad, please. All right. Listen, we got to take a quick break. This is the Livewire House Party. It's our seventh one of these since we've all been. In quarantine, I'm Luke Burbank with Elena Passarello, uh, and we've got our actual moms here as well. We are going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Livewire is supported in part by Fully. Based in Portland, Oregon, Fully is an amazing company that sells and distributes things that will help you feel healthier while you are being productive, doing your work. How do I know this? Well, because I use a Jarvis standing desk from Fully when I am on stage recording Livewire. That's right. I can set that thing at any different height that works for me in that moment. It keeps the blood flowing, keeps uh, me feeling engaged. I think you can hear the results, my friends. 
coming through the radio and the podcast. If you would like to stay healthy and productive while you're being productive at your work, whether it's at home or in the office, you got to check out what the folks at Fully are doing. Go to Fully.com slash Livewire. That's F-U-L-L-Y.com slash Livewire. They've also got the Cooper Standing Desk Converter. That gives you the ability to set your desk at any height you want as well. And just uh, figure out a spot that works for you. I promise it'll make a difference in your in your work productivity and how good you'll feel at the end of the day. I know it has for me. I also use the TikTok stool when I'm at home doing all of my uh, radio show writing projects. Uh, it's made such a difference for me and for our whole Livewire staff, and I know you're going to have the same experience. So again, find out what Fully has got going on by heading over to Fully, that's F-U-L-L-Y, dot com slash Livewire. Welcome back to Livewire from PRX. I'm your host, Luke Burbank, in Bellingham, Washington, right over there in Corvallis, Oregon is Elena Passarello. Hey, Elena. Hey, hey, hey. And because... Hey, wait, what is it? Hey, Lucals. <laughs> <laughs> My name changes every week. It was Lukey B. Now it's Lucals. Uh, uh, we've got our moms here, too, because it, this is uh, Mother's Day weekend. And so my mom, Susan Burbank, is here as well. Hi, Mom. Hi, Luke. How do you feel like this is going so far? Um, I'm enjoying it. Okay, that's good. I, I realize I never call you Susan. Well, I never use your name, but no. calling you Susan Burbank felt weird. <laughs> uh, and then Elena's mom is here too. Karen Horton is in South Carolina. Hi, Karen. Hello. Karen, I think maybe, I don't know if you remember this, but I think you're going to be excited for our first guest because he directed the movie The Adams Family, oh. which Elena said you were very riveted by one time. Do you have any memory of this? None. No, <laughs> I told them, I told them you wouldn't remember when, when it came out, when I was in middle school, we rented it. And the day that we, we had to take it back was the day that we had to go to the airport so I could go visit dad for the summer. And we were really like nervous about going to the airport, but you were like, we have to see how it ends. And so we like stood in front of the TV like, with my suitcases, just like, <laughs> like to run out the door right when we figured out what happened. Yes. Oh, that's funny. Do you not remember that at all? Your actual mother would, but I'm your virtual mother today. So. Oh, <laughs> um, hey, Mom, do you know those Men in Black movies? Did you ever see any of those? Yeah, I like the first one, as is par for the course. I always like the first. <laughs> okay, well, this guy directed all three of those, so uh, great. Thanks like for that. the first one. <laughs> His name is Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, he was also the cinematographer of the movie Big and When Harry Met Sally. Oh. Uh, he's just a legend in Hollywood, and he's got this new book out, uh, which is called Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother. So we figured uh, that he'd be a perfect guest this week for our Mother's Day show. Uh, so we're going to give him a call. Barry Sonnenfeld, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. I'm uh, excited to be here. Woohoo! Um, let's start with the title of the book, which relates to an incredible story from the book. The book <laughs> is called Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother. I just thought that was like you talking about an overprotective Jewish mother. This is a literal thing that happened. <laughs> That's right. So this is based on a true story, which is uh, in uh, early 1970, there was a first peace concert at Madison Square Garden. It's 2.20 in the morning. My mother somehow let me go to this concert with my girlfriend. I think it's because she was very anti-Vietnam War. So this is a big deal for her too. Also, Pete, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary were singing, and that was a big deal for her, you know. Nothing uh, 
pulled at her heartstrings more than Peter, Paul, and Mary or the mm. Chad Mitchell trio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, in any case, it's 2.20 in the morning. Jimi Hendrix is on stage for the second time. And over the PA system, as he's about to play his first song, 19,600 people, comes the announcement, Barry Sonnenfeld, <laughs> call your mother. Oh, my God. True story. <laughs> You're how old? I'm 17. I'm a senior in high school. But here's the problem. It was 2.20. I had promised I would be home by 2. But I believe you said to her something like, Ma, uh, when you called Madison Square Garden, did they inform you the concert was, in fact, still going? Uh, And she knew that, but that didn't matter to her at that moment. Well, what she said is, yes, they said the concert was still going, but they couldn't confirm you were there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. By the way, this is the same woman who, when I graduated high school, said that if I went to sleepaway school, others call it college, (laughs) she would commit suicide. So I spent three years living at home in Washington Heights uh, and attending NYU uh, University Heights campus in the Bronx. Okay, this... Actually brings me to my next question, right? This episode is our Mother's Day special, Barry. (laughs) But the thing is... But you want me to say something nice about my parents. I want you to give your honest answer, Barry. But I I do think what you represent and what's in this book is an account of someone who has a very complicated relationship with their mom. And that also is the experience of a lot of the people listening to this on the radio right now. Well, here's the thing. I do redeem my both of my parents in the second to last chapter. Part of that is because I feel I was so mean to them. I felt that by giving them, uh, well, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of uh, give you a, give our listeners a spoiler. At the very end, I say, my parents were good people; they were just terrible parents. And mm. there's a chapter about that. And I acknowledge they were good people. Many of my friends say, how dare you not be equally mean to your father? They never say to me, you should be nicer to your mother. They all (laughs) say you should be meaner as mean to your father. In fact, my mother, in the book I I talk about, um, uh, there's there's a moment in the book where uh, I'm quoted in Newsweek as saying that on the set of Men in Black, I'd go up to uh, grips and electricians and say to them, I'll give you $400,000 to get me kicked off the film or kill my mother. And when my mother read this, she called me and said, do you really wish I, I were dead? And I said, mom, I promise you I would never pay anyone $400,000 to kill you. And she said, thank you. I love you too. But she then said, if you ever say mean things about me again, can you at least say them about your father as well? Mm. And I, we should mention that they were at least nominally still married at this point. I mean, nominal, married up until the, the, the day that she passed away. That's right. Uh, they were married for, I think, 54 years wow. of uh, uh, just not blissful marriage. Uh, by the way, this is the Livewire House Party. We're talking to Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, director and writer. His new book is Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, Call Your Mother. Uh, he directed the Men in Black films, the first three of them, Get Shorty, uh, worked on uh, Coen Brothers films like Raising Arizona. Um, you were the cinematographer on Raising Arizona, right? That's correct. When you were making those films 
like uh, Raising Arizona and Blood Simple and Miller's Crossing with the Coen brothers, were you all aware that something really special was happening from kind of a creative standpoint? No, you know, making films, no matter if they're good or bad, or if you're making them with the Coen brothers or Frank Perry, while you're making them, they're all equally sort of like tedious. Mm. Uh, You know, in fact, on Raising Arizona, Joel Cohen and I both offered Ethan a substantial sum of money if we didn't have to go to dailies and he would just watch the dailies <laughs> without us because we were so bored and thought they were so bad. Oh. And for people Same that don't Miller's, know, yeah. Barry, let me just mention the oh, dailies sure. are after you've been shooting all day, then you go watch, at least in the olden days, you go watch what you shot to kind of decide if it was good or not. Right. Uh, each day at the end of the day, you watch the stuff you had shot the day before. Okay. That's because you're shooting on film, so oh, it right. had to be developed and all that. And same with Miller's Crossing. You know, there's that great Danny Boy scene where mm-hmm. um, Albert Finney takes out his Tommy gun and shoots all these guys. That was days of shooting, and we hated every single setup. We hated every single shot. And, you know, it's a classic scene. Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> Well, now, the worst thing you can ever do when you're making a movie is think you're making art or think you, you're going to have a big blockbuster. Just do your work, get through the day, and see what happens. Did that come back, that work that come back to you when you were working on the memoir? I, I remember there's a part in it when you're sitting at your desk in Telluride and there's like a Belvedere waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brutally shaken Belvedere, that's yeah. right. Um I loved writing this book. I would sit down. I never had writer's block. I I would sit down and write 35 to 40 pages a day. The first draft of this book was 80% longer than what you guys read. Wow. Wow. And I just took whole, I took entire chapters out. Chapters I loved being an elevator operator at 40 Wall Street, going to Jones Beach just because just like I think no movie should be longer than 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think that book should ha- be a certain length as well. So um, I want, again, when I direct or when I write, I want you guys to want the next one. You know, mm-hmm. I want, I love it when people say, I love Men in Black, but it was too short. I say, thank you. Right. Cause it's like 89 minutes long or something, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. With, with credits. <laughs> with and credit. there were a lot of credits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're talking to Barry Sonnenfeld, the film director. Uh, he's got a book out, Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother. Speaking of Men in Black, um, I, I saw those movies like uh, thousands and thousands of people did, and I loved them. But I guess I didn't really realize at the time how much kind of like quantum mechanics and physics and science is really underpinning the premise of the films. And in reading this book, you bring up some of that stuff. Was that part of the fun for you, like the, the, the science-ness of it? There was no fun making those movies. (laughs) Hey, my phone's ringing, and it's probably someone telling me I could get better car insurance. But uh, hopefully my wife or kid will pick it up. Oh, yeah, there you go. Where are you at right now, by the way, Barry? Where where, where are we finding you? I wish I was in Portland, but I'm in Telluride, Colorado, which ain't a bad place to be. Yeah, it'll do. Yeah. Hey, are you there? Hey. Sweetie, I'm doing a podcast. 
<laughs> Wait, Boy, so that's I your wife. That's Sweetie, the famous Sweetie. That's your wife, the famous Sweetie. That is. Uh, oh, yes. And by the way, to answer your question, uh, yes, there is a lot of uh, sort of quantum physics and stuff in, in the Men in Black movies. And, mm-hmm. and I do really love that concept of the multiverse and yeah. that perhaps there's a trillion, trillion, trillion versions mm-hmm. of our reality. And uh, I, I think that kind of stuff is fascinating. I don't know that I believe it, but I kind of love the concept. I made for a great kind of motif of the book, kind of coming back to the idea of these quantum realities where you wouldn't have met Sweetie or you wouldn't have been on that plane or things like that. Yeah. No. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah. I it used to have much more of that. And I actually got rid of it because I, I realized, you know, just like in filmmaking, I believe that the best comedy is when the audience figures out where the joke is on their own. Like I hate close-ups. I hate cutting to a close-up for a punchline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love when scenes play out in mass comedy scenes play out in master shots. My uh, favorite example of that is in the first Men in Black. Tommy Lee Jones is interrogating Regic, this alien, about why they're trying to get off. Uh, planet with his wife being pregnant and in the background will smith is being thrown around by this right. alien tentacle <laughs> right never cut to a close-up of will yelling yes. okay help just it all plays out in this super wide shot with all that stuff in in the background and i feel the same way about uh the book you know i i I, I decided to let the audience figure out where the comedy was instead of hitting them over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Will Smith, who we should mention, you beat at re- leg wrestling, right? I'm, I'm like undefeated. I'm, I beat Kelly Rip. I was on Kelly's show about a month ago. Uh, March 12th, I was on a show and I had already beaten her and Mark Consuelos, her husband. And during a commercial break, I took down Ryan Seacrest and Gelman uh, in leg wrestling. So they couldn't believe it. You've also beaten Putty from Seinfeld, Patrick Warburton. That's right. Uh, I think, did you beat Will Smith? Did he actually challenge you? I beat Will Smith, Usher, (laughs) Kelly and Mark. um, Man. uh, Warburton and Warburton's a big guy. I mean, Will mm-hmm. Smith is a big guy, but Warburton is huge and muscular, yeah. and he he was outraged. I, I'm <laughs> undefeated, and the secret is anxiety. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of which, one of the things you talk about in this book, Barry, is that as a very anxious person, oddly enough, you calm down when the situation is actually very dire. You're in a plane crash that you write about. You you're held up at gunpoint. I know other people who are very anxious and anecdotally they report to me that this COVID stuff actually has them feeling more or less calm because they've sort of been preparing for this in one way or another their whole life. Is that your experience? I think that we're just curmudgeons and whatever (laughs) everyone else is doing, we've got to go the opposite. Since (laughs) everyone tends to be optimistic I'm not going to be there with them because I want to be unique. And when everyone gets pessimistic, I'll go optimistic. But I like your interpretation better, which is that I've been practicing for the COVID-19 for the last 67 years. So I love that. I I like that one. I'm going to go with that. How are you doing, by the way? You know, as a filmmaker, uh, this is obviously cutting into your your work. Like, do do you think Hollywood and filmmaking is going to be changed forever by this time? I do think it's going to be changed forever. I think, you know, I think 
it's not fair given everyone who has every, everything much harder than Sweetie and I do to complain that, you know, I'm not working on a big Hollywood movie or something because, you know, here we are in Telluride on 67 acres and we're doing great and mm-hmm. nothing has changed for us at all except free-floating anxiety. But what's, what's had been happening that will be even more accentuated and accelerated is the demise of feature films in movie mm-hmm. theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was already becoming much more of a streaming kind of television thing. And I think that's going to just accelerate now. And I think it may be the, uh, um, the death of most feature films Wow. in movie theaters. I do think that's the case. It's going to be mm-hmm. an interesting mm-hmm. year coming up. Mm-hmm. And this book is a really honest account, Barry, of kind of how your parents' failings, particularly your mom's failings, really affected your life. You have a, a kid. You have stepkids. What do you think they would write in their book about you? Well, the stepkids would be nicer than my <laughs> <laughs> really? our joint kid because they have to be. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, talking about uh, Chloe, who is Sweetie and my mutual daughter, yeah. I would say that she, uh, you know, every every person says, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do it differently. And I think what happens is you become, to a certain extent, you become your parents' worst traits. And then you also try to, not be them. So, but like my daughter, Chloe has some of my best traits and some of my worst traits. Mm. Mm. Best trait is, um, we both independently, (laughs) we'll get to, (laughs) we'll get to the airport four or five hours early. (laughs) And, you know, she also could be a great director because she's opinionated and she has strong opinions and great taste. But she also gets angry too quickly. And, uh, which I did until, my 40s, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, I've calmed down. But I think it's really hard not to become your parents. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And you know you shouldn't do it. And you still, I still say to, listen, when she flies from LA to Japan or Europe, I am on flight tracker watching mm. her plane <laughs> for those 16 hours going, they're over the Pacific. Why would they change from 37,000 feet to 35,000 feet in the middle of nowhere? What's going on on that plane? You know who so, you are. You're your mother calling Madison Square that's Garden right. at 220. That's right. I know. That's exactly right. I, I did become my mother, and I hate myself for it. Oh. Uh, well, Barry Sonnenfeld, it's been really fun to talk to you, and this book is... Just a delightful read. I, we could have talked to you for hours on end just about yeah. your movie making or just about how much resentment you have towards your mom. But we tried to just <laughs> pick the best bits here for this brief conversation. But we really appreciate you taking the time to stop by the uh, Livewire house party this week. Uh, I, I love your show. We get we listen to it. And uh, I wish I could have been in Portland with you guys. I would have. Oh, yeah. I think we would have had a great time. Anytime yeah. you and, and Sweetie are, are in that part of the world, you guys, and, and the people are allowed to gather in the same room. You guys have an open invite, okay? Absolutely. Fantastic. I would love it. I'd love it. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. 
That is Barry Sonnenfeld here on the Live Wire House Party. His new book is Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother. This is the Live Wire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank with Elena Passarello. I love that I can see you doing a little dance in your house in Corvallis, Oregon, Elena. That's one of the main things about us being on stage during the real show that I miss is your sweet dance moves. Yeah, uh, you know, my terpsichore and talents. <laughs> I don't know what any of those words meant. What do you call it? Terpsichorean. What does that word mean? It means dance of dance. It's named after the muse of dance, terpsichore. This is what happens when you have an English professor at Oregon State University as the announcer of your show. They bring out all kinds of fancy words. Um, because it's Mother's Day weekend, we've got our actual moms hanging out with us, too. My mom, Susie Burbank in Silverdale. Hi, Mom. Hi, Luke. Um, and uh, Elena's mom, Karen Horton, is in South Carolina. Karen, thanks for being with us today. I love it. Um, was Elena always, like, as a kid, just, like, dancey and and squirmy and active? She's, like, one of the most active people I know. Absolutely. We tied her down each evening, (laughs) (laughs) stuffed her in the icebox, and went to bed. (laughs) The look on Elena's face, you know, radio listeners can't tell, but the look of panic on Elena's face via the Zoom call when I posed that question to her mom was (laughs) intense. Um, Each week on the show, of course, we like to ask the audience a question, and they send in their answers. Uh, via social media. And the question we asked this week is, what's been an unexpected addition to your routine? I think a lot of us have started doing new things, even though we're all trapped at home, we're developing new habits and and routines and rituals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was thinking about things that have changed for me. This is a weird, small thing, but remember when you were a kid and I think if it was like 11, 11, like 11 a.m. and 11 minutes, you're supposed to make a wish or something? Yeah. I still um, do that. Yeah. Really? And you, can't, and you can't look at the clock after you make a wish until it's turned to eleven twelve, or else the wish won't come true. So I didn't really like actively do that. But for some reason in like the last two weeks, when I see it's eleven eleven, I try to take a minute and think of all the things I'm grateful for. And then I expanded Aww. it to like when it's 444 or 333. If I ever look at my iPhone, which is basically every... Once a minute, yeah, twenty-two hours a day, and I see that all the digits are the same. I take however much is left of that minute that I'm looking at, and I try to just be grateful um, because it's very easy to, <laughs> to start slipping into some real "woe is me" territory. I yeah. think with it'd be a real bummer on. if you started doing that at three thirty-three. If you just started thinking about all the things that depressed you, no, so. <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> the, the right opposite, <laughs> and I'm surprised at how often it lifts my mood. I think I'm walking around with this just like resting tension face mm-hmm. and I just like not even really thinking about how you know sort of anxious I am or bummed out and then it's this like active thing where I like go wait these are all things that are that I'm really lucky to have in my life whether it's people or things you know a, a place to live and all that stuff and so it's been good it kind of gets me out of that slump mm-hmm. Elena what new routines have you developed during this whole thing uh well mine isn't as uplifting I've started taking showers at night <laughs> oh okay <laughs> So I usually would just take a shower for hairdo reasons right Mm -hmm. before I had to leave the house. Yeah. You know, uh, but now that, you know, I never leave the house, I just take showers at the end of the night so I can A, go to bed super clean, which I love, and B, I can, in the shower, listen to Delilah After Dark. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Delilah. Quality, quality radio programming. That is this, like, national kind of 
call in well they play lots of love songs right and lots of inspirational music mm-hmm. and um and people call in with their with their like requests as far as things you know i don't i mean do, do, do they are they literally prayer requests I, you know, I used to listen to Delilah when I was a kid on my clock radio. Mom's mm-hmm. nodding because I think she remembers. Like, I don't think she was ever a fan of Delilah. Um, <laughs> and in the time since when I listened to her in the 90s and now, I think she's gotten a lot more faith-based. Yeah. But the premise is still the same. People write in and talk about why they're lonesome or why they love someone. And then Delilah plays Wind Beneath My Wings. And she's got this <laughs> like super syrupy, wonderful voice. And she's like, Who, who's with you tonight who do you love yeah <laughs> and I, I find it so soothing and so i take a really long shower and listen to delilah oh you just did it for me i was gonna go delilah <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> me and Susie are feeling the delilah yeah. love i think luke and karen think, are a little I, less karen would you like to adopt me and can we do can we do a prisoner swap here <laughs> elena what um what are the audience members saying what's something new they're adding to their routine Oh, here's one uh, from Julianne. I am now attempting to do the New York Times crossword puzzle every morning. Great to wake up the brain with the morning coffee, countered by the unhealthy habit of multiple snack breaks during the rest of the day. Um, Can you do a New York Times crossword puzzle, Luke? I can't do a People magazine crossword puzzle that's been partly filled out by the person who flew on the plane before me. Like, I will legit, like, dig out a magazine, like an Us Weekly, that someone left on the airplane, and they've done, like, half of... And by the way, every answer is Mario Lopez, but whatever. (laughs) And I will still just be like, I am... My brain cannot do crossword puzzles. It is a whole skill. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, buddy. You're also bad at crosswords, Mom? I'm terrible crossword. And then when I, like, look in the back at the answers, I'm like, that wasn't that difficult. I have, like, a mental block. Karen, uh, Elena's mom, who's in uh, South Carolina, you're nodding along. Like, <laughs> are, are you a, a crossword person? Oh, every day. Wow. Good for Man. you. Old school, in the newspaper. I don't want to, you know, work with my phone on this. But the ones I can't finish, I send to Elena, and she gets them done in about 12 nanoseconds. Wow. Really, Elena? I'm a pinch hitter. I can't do a whole crossword puzzle, but if somebody has one that they can't get, for I have some kind of magical thing in my brain where I can do I it. Can do, yeah, but I, the whole crossword puzzle I'm not great at. This is the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, and we've got our moms hanging out with us this week because it's Mother's Day weekend. And, um, you know, we can do anything we want. It's our radio show. <laughs> So here we are. Um, Elena, what uh, other uh, audience answers have been submitted to the question of what's an unexpected addition to your routine? Here's one for Susie. Uh, It comes from Tommy. And an unexpected addition to Tommy's routine is dance church. Oh. Susie, have you heard of dance church before? Well... There are people that go to church and dance in church, if that's what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of where my mind was going when I saw this answer, but I looked it up, and apparently it's this new streaming service a couple of times a week. It's very inclusive. It's not like, you know, ballet or something that's very difficult, and everybody tunes in, and they teach like a dance class, and you dance with like thousands of people at the same time in your living room. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so you could could put your mashed potatoing from all those Philly dances... (laughs) I love that mashed potato. That is an easy one. All right, listen, since this is a house party, we should probably have some music. Uh, Fantastic Negrito is a singer-songwriter whose music spans blues, R&B, roots. 
Uh, in 2015, he won NPR's Tiny Desk contest, Elena, which was Whoa. like 7,000 people submitted for this, and this dude won. He wow. did a version of a song of his in a freight elevator in one take and sent it in, and they were like, this is the best of oh. all the things that have been sent in. Cool. And that's like the third coolest award he has because he's also won two Grammys after that for Best Contemporary Blues Album. Uh, let's uh, bring him on the show. Fantastic Negrito. Welcome to the house party. Well, thank you very much for having me on your incredible show. You look amazing right now. Like you are so put together. Is this like how you are doing in quarantine normally? Well, you know, when I'm Fantastic Negrito, it's like a superhero. I got to put on the outfit. Uh-huh. But then I, I, I take it off because, you know, I don't want to die. Wait, it's a, it's protective in some way? No, I mean, if you don't get out of these characters you create, you end up like, you know, you read about these people all the time who die. Like, they keep, they believe they're the character. I don't know. So I, I kind of believe that. Like, huh. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not always, um, you can't just always be on. Like, yeah, I'm just artist, man. Like, sometimes I'm just yeah. a farmer. Sometimes I'm just a brother. Sometimes I'm just a dad. And I kind of prefer that. I like to take the costume off. And they won't let me in my house dressed like this. <laughs> Get it? Um, what was, what was, did you grow up around music? What kind of music were you exposed to as a kid? Um, any, all non-popular music. I mean, I was exposed to, um, lots of African music, jazz. My dad had a big jazz connection. He was friends with all the jazz people because he had a, you know, a restaurant in the East Village, like in the fifties. Wow. Yeah. So my mom had a, my mom ended up marrying a guy named Ahmed Abdul Malik after my father passed, and, mm. but he was actually a bass player for Thelonious Monk and a lot of people. Whoa. Yeah, so I grew up with like Dizzy and Max Roach calling my house all the time. Wow. Max Roach. Unbelievable. <laughs> what was that like for you as a kid? I mean, were you nervous around them? No, Did you learn I, from them? I hated them. No, I, I completely hated them. <laughs> what? Wow. Because... I was a normal kid. I was like, I was like, I don't like these people. They suck. Or their jazz music. It all sucks. You know? and, and then I grew up and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> They're all dead now. What uh, have I done? Oh, my God. But you now it's just being a kid. And I should have been, I guess. I, I, um, were, you, were you sneaking into, uh, the, was it Berkeley, to try to learn how to play music? Yeah, I became interested in playing music and I... Um, I would sneak into the music department at UC Berkeley and I would just pretend like I was supposed to be there and I would just listen to what people were playing. And I didn't know what it was, but I found out later that they were scales. Okay. So I was, and so I learned how to play. That's when I understood the language of music because, you know, I was in such violent neighborhoods and, you know, it was just like, you know, I got tired of it, the violence. Mm-hmm. And so I would like go walk in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And I just stumbled upon a music room, and I was like, "Wow, I bet you I could get in there." Because they're you know, used to hustling and getting in places. So I just learned Do Re Mi Fa Sol La Ti Do. I didn't know what that was, and I was, was like, "Wow, you can play that on every key." Uh-huh. And so that was how I figured it out. I remember the day it was. So I'm thankful to UC Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> they, have they given you an honorary degree yet? You have two Grammys, man. Like they should no, they be put, very proud that they that they helped teach you. No, they actually put a warrant out for my arrest and. <laughs> No way. Sue me. No way. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, we knew someone was sneaking in here. We knew it. I bet that honorary degree is coming. I mean, it should be. 
Yeah, it, it could be. Yeah. If anybody yeah. from Berkeley is listening, please, Fantastic yeah. Negrito deserves an honorary degree from Berkeley. Mm-hmm. We got to take a quick break. Uh, this is Live Wire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank with Elena Passarello. Uh, we are talking to Fantastic Negrito. So you don't want to go anywhere because we will be right back with so much more of Livewire from PRX. Special thanks this episode to Nicole Burnett and Paul Newts of Shoreline, Washington. Those are a couple of familiar names to me. And also Anna Echeverria of Portland, Oregon. Nicole and Paul and Anna are part of the Livewire member community and generously support us with a donation each month. We are very thankful for that support because now more than ever, it's how we're able to keep this whole show going. So a huge thanks to Nicole, Paul, and Anna. Welcome back to Livewire from PRX. I am your host, Luke Burbank, here with Elena Passarello and Fantastic Negrito. So you were really self-taught with a lot of this music stuff. You were like sneaking into Cal Berkeley's music department to to play instruments and, and learn music. Uh, but then you end up getting like a huge major label deal. Uh, Jimmy Iovine himself signed you. I mean, you were wow. you were really like... I was in the big time. Yeah, you were in the big time and, and then ended up deciding really that you didn't want to do music after all that and were not playing for years. Yeah, I didn't play. Well, what happened is I ended up in a coma for three weeks. Wow. And I lost, I lost my hand. You see my hand? Yeah. Yeah. So I broke everything, lost my hand, and then I just, you know, I became a farmer. I grew a lot of marijuana. <laughs> I'm, cu- I'm curious, Negrito, how you can play guitar. You've got a guitar with you in the studio in Oakland, and you, you injured yourself. You were very badly injured in a car accident, right? That's what yes. the coma was from? And, yes. and your hand was injured. You just held it up. We can see it on Zoom. Does that affect your playing? Yeah, I can't, like, hold picks or do fine picking, so I call it the claw. Mm-hmm. So I call it the – and the claw just hacks. He's a hacker. And then I do the same with the piano, and it's actually – it made me a better songwriter, actually. That's incredible. I mean, you won this Tiny Desk Contest a few years ago, which is like, what, it was like 7,000 entries or something? Yes. And you did that without full use of one of your hands. Yeah, I just, just did it. I thought that it was a good lesson. Like, hey, this music comes from the heart. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's the most human thing in the world is to pick up an instrument and start playing. Mm-hmm. And just I played on the streets. I was a middle-aged guy. Nobody cared. So why did I care either? <laughs> I think it's so great to smash these mm-hmm. weird repressed fantasies that people in power have of us. Mm-hmm. I think that we have so much in common as just human beings. And no matter what your ideology is, I mean, it's a, it's a fun place to hide, mm-hmm. but just take a look around and it's not really benefiting any of us. So that's what a lot of this had to do with, with just becoming free from the chains. Mm-hmm. Is it hard for you though, to stay in that place of not caring after you've won two Grammys? It's one thing when you're busking, and but you're you're a, a celebrated musician now. Man, I don't know if I'm that celebrated. Number one, and number two, just listen to my records. I don't care. Mm. I don't. People are whispering, but that's not blues. But that's I don't care. But that's you should put horns, and you'll be famous. I don't. Hey, I don't care. I'm happy. It's so fun not to care, and I, I make my music in this room. If you want to work with me, you got to come to this funky ass room. <laughs> Two months ago, Sting was right here with me in this room. Really? Wow. And, you, and I'm just so glad I'm middle aged. I don't care. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not a rapper. I'm not a pretty white girl. I'm not Beyonce. I just, who, who cares? But it's true, yeah. right? Like once you reach a certain age, not caring feels so free. It's like, so powerful. You spend so much of your youth caring about things. Oh my that- God. Yeah, exactly. So what song are we going to hear? It's called Nobody Makes Money. It's before the Grammys. Mm. I used to busk on the street with it, and I'm dedicating it to all the musicians out there who are struggling. All right, this is the fantastic Negrito here on the Live Wire House Party. Well, well, well. Ain't nobody making money. No, no more. Ain't nobody making money like they did before. Have me on my knees singing, please. Well, I need to make more green. Oh, I woke up this morning to a rising river. The food and gas prices, oh, you know, I started to shiver. Sit on my knees and please, I need to make more green. And some of you out there spend all your money on a useless education. Now you're standing in line, feeling all the frustration. Even your mama tell you, mama always told you, do the best that you can. Well, mama, this is wage slavery. Wage slavery, come on and get it now. Ain't nobody making money. They're working all the time, all day and all night. Lord, it's a grind, grind, grind. Ain't nobody making money no more. Why? Cause it's so hard to find. Ain't nobody making money in the USA. Except the big old corporations, y'all. That's right. In the NRA. They say, bang, bang, kill, kill. Don't worry. The feds will print more bills. They will. Well, you spent all your money on a useless education. Now you're standing in line, feeling all the frustration. Listen to mama, cause mama always told you, do the best that you can. I said, Mama, this is wage slavery. Wage slavery, come on and get it, y'all. Ba, ba, ba. Ba, ba, ba. Money, money. Money, money. Money, money. Money, money. Give me some of that money. Fantastic Negrito right here on the Livewire House Party. That was incredible, man. Thank, Thank you. you so much. This is uh, our Mother's Day episode. You even picked a song that has heavy references to Mama in it. Mama, she told you, do the best that you can. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thank you so much. That was incredible. Stay safe down Peace. there in Oakland, okay? Hey, you guys be safe and I'll be back. Peace. Well, uh, looks like that's the end of our show this week. Parting Ooh. is such... Sweet sorrow. 
It was fun hanging out with uh, with the moms, right, Elena? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen, um, it's been so fun having you guys here. Thanks for doing this, and, and happy Mother's Day. You're welcome. Thanks, Luke. Um, would you guys like to do the credits, the end of the show? I mean, have you dreamed of, of hearing your voice in lights, <laughs> reading the credits on a public radio program? Why not? <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Take it away, Mom. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Livewire House Party. A huge thanks to our guest, Ari Sonnenfeld, and the fantastic Negrito. Livewire is brought to you in part by Fully, Alaska Airlines, and the Juniper Hotel. Uh, it's the Jupiter Hotel, Mom. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Tim Harkins is our production director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevjenko. And Ariana Donneville is our marketing associate. Caitlin Kunkel is our writer. And Molly Pettit, our technical director, is our house party mixer. As always, a big thanks to Carlson Audio. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Cultural Trust and the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation. LifeWire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. Our show is made possible by the generous support of our members. This week, we'd like to thank member Alicia Harris of Oakland, California. For more information about the show, to listen to our podcast and sign up for our newsletter, visit LifeWireRadio.org. I'm Susie Burbank. For Alina Passarello, Karen Horton, and the whole LifeWire crew. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hey, that was actually pretty good. Way to go, Mom. PRX. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time because we love having this job. Uh, thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast. <laughs>